Chapter forty-eight of *The Man in the Iron Mask* by Alexander Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Shadow of Monsieur Fouquet. D'Artagnan, still confused and oppressed by the conversation he had just had with the king, could not resist asking himself if he were really in possession of his senses, if he were really and truly at Vaux. If he, d'Artagnan, were really the captain of the musketeers, and Monsieur Fouquet the owner of the chateau, in which Louis the Fourteenth was at that moment partaking of his hospitality. These reflections were not those of a drunken man, although everything was in prodigal profusion at Vaux, and the surintendant's wines had met with a distinguished reception at the fete. The Gascon, however, was a man of calm self-possession, and no sooner did he touch his bright steel blade then he knew how to adopt morally the cold, keen weapon as his guide of action. "'Well,' he said as he quitted the royal apartment, "'I seem now to be mixed up historically with the destinies of a king and of the minister. It will be written that Monsieur d'Artagnan, a younger son of a Gascon family, placed his hand on the shoulder of Monsieur Nicolas Fouquet,' the surintendant of the finances of france my descendants if i have any will flatter themselves with the distinction which this arrest will confer just as the members of the deloigne family have done with regard to the estates of the poor marechal d'ancre but the thing is how best to execute the king's directions in a proper manner any man would know how to say to monsieur fouquet your sword monsieur but it is not every one who would be able to take care of monsieur fouquet without others knowing anything about it how am i to manage then so that monsieur le surintendant pass from the height of favor to the direst disgrace that vaux be turned into a dungeon for him that after having been steeped to his lips as it were in all the perfumes and incense of asurus he is transferred to the gallows of amman in other words, of Enguerrand de Marigny. And at this reflection, D'Artagnan's brow became clouded with perplexity. The musketeer had certain scruples on the matter, it must be admitted. To deliver up to death, for not a doubt existed that Louis hated Fouquet mortally, the man who had just shown himself so delightful and charming a host in every way, was a real insult to one's conscience. It almost seems said d'artagnan to himself that if i am not a poor mean miserable fellow i should let monsieur fouquet know the opinion the king has about him yet if i betray my master's secret i shall be a false-hearted treacherous knave a traitor too a crime provided for and punishable by military laws so much so indeed that twenty times in former days when wars were rife I have seen many a miserable fellow strung up to a tree for doing, in but a small degree, what my scruples counsel me to undertake upon a great scale now. No, I think that a man of true readiness of wit ought to get out of this difficulty with more skill than that. And now, let us admit that I do possess a little readiness of invention. It is not at all certain, though, for after having for forty years absorbed so large a quantity, I should be lucky if there were to be a pistole's worth left. D'Artagnan buried his head in his hands, tore at his mustache in sheer vexation, and added, What can be the reason of Monsieur Fouquet's disgrace? 
there seem to be three good ones the first because monsieur colbert doesn't like him the second because he wished to fall in love with mademoiselle de la valliere and lastly because the king likes monsieur colbert and loves mademoiselle de la valliere he is lost but shall i put my foot on his neck i of all men when he is falling a prey to the intrigues of a pack of women and clerks for shame if he be dangerous i will lay him low enough if however he be only persecuted i will look on i have come to such a decisive determination that neither king nor living man shall change my mind if athos were here he would do as i have done therefore instead of going in cold blood up to monsieur fouquet and arresting him off-hand and shutting him up altogether i will try and conduct myself like a man who understands what good manners are people will talk about it of course but they shall talk well of it i am determined and d'artagnan drawing by a gesture peculiar to himself his shoulder-belt over his shoulder went straight off to monsieur fouquet who after he had taken leave of his guests was preparing to retire for the night and to sleep tranquilly after the triumphs of the day the air was still perfumed or infected whichever way it may be considered with the odors of the torches and the fireworks the wax lights were dying away in their sockets the flowers fell unfastened from the garlands the groups of dancers and courtiers were separating in the salons surrounded by his friends who complimented him and received his flattering remarks in return the surintendant half closed his wearied eyes he longed for rest and quiet he sank upon the bed of laurels which had been heaped up for him for so many days past it might almost have been said that he seemed bowed beneath the weight of the new debts which he had incurred for the purpose of giving the greatest possible honor to this fete fouquet had just retired to his room still smiling but more than half asleep he could listen to nothing more he could hardly keep his eyes open his bed seemed to possess a fascinating and irresistible attraction for him the god morpheus the presiding deity of the dome painted by lebrun had extended his influence over the adjoining rooms and showered down his most sleep-inducing poppies upon the master of the house fouquet almost entirely alone was being assisted by his valet de chambre to undress when m d'artagnan appeared at the entrance of the room d'artagnan had never been able to succeed in making himself common at the court and notwithstanding he was seen everywhere and on all occasions he never failed to produce an effect wherever and whenever he made his appearance such is the happy privilege of certain natures which in that respect resemble either thunder or lightning every one recognizes them but their appearance never fails to arouse surprise and astonishment and whenever they occur the impression is always left that the last was the most conspicuous or most important what monsieur d'artagnan said fouquet who had already taken his right arm out of the sleeve of his doublet at your service replied the musketeer come in my dear monsieur d'artagnan thank you have you come to criticize the fete you are ingenious enough in your criticisms i know by no means are not your men looked after properly in every way you are not comfortably lodged perhaps nothing could be better 
in that case i have to thank you for being so amiably disposed and i must not fail to express my obligations to you for all your flattering kindness these words were as much as to say my dear d'artagnan pray go to bed since you have a bed to lie down on and let me do the same d'artagnan did not seem to understand it are you going to bed already he said to the superintendent yes have you anything to say to me nothing monsieur nothing at all you sleep in this room then yes as you see you have given a most charming fete to the king do you think so oh beautiful is the king pleased enchanted did he desire you to say as much to me he would not choose so unworthy a messenger monseigneur you do not do yourself justice monsieur d'artagnan is that your bed there yes but why do you ask are you not satisfied with your own may i speak frankly to you most assuredly well then i am not fouquet started and then replied will you take my room monsieur d'artagnan what deprive you of it monseigneur never what am i to do then allow me to share yours with you fouquet looked at the musketeer fixedly ah ah he said you have just left the king i have monseigneur and the king wishes you to pass the night in my room monseigneur very well monsieur d'artagnan very well you are the master here i assure you monseigneur that i do not wish to abuse fouquet turned to his valet and said leave us when the man had left he said to d'artagnan you have something to say to me i a man of your superior intelligence cannot have come to talk with a man like myself at such an hour as the present without grave motives do not interrogate me on the contrary what do you want with me nothing more than the pleasure of your society come into the garden then said the superintendent suddenly or into the park no replied the musketeer hastily no why the fresh air come admit at once that you arrest me said the superintendent to the captain never said the latter you intend to look after me then yes monseigneur i do upon my honor upon your honor ah that is quite another thing so i am to be arrested in my own house do not say such a thing on the contrary i will proclaim it aloud if you do so 
i shall be compelled to request you to be silent very good violence toward me and in my own house too we do not seem to understand one another at all stay a moment there is a chessboard there we will have a game if you have no objections monsieur d'artagnan i am in disgrace then not at all but i am prohibited i suppose from withdrawing from your sight i do not understand a word you are saying monseigneur and if you wish me to withdraw tell me so my dear monsieur d'artagnan your mode of action is enough to drive me mad i was almost sinking for want of sleep but you have completely awakened me i shall never forgive myself i am sure and if you wish to reconcile me with myself why go to sleep in your bed in my presence and i shall be delighted i am under surveillance i see i will leave the room if you say any such thing you are beyond my comprehension good night monseigneur said d'artagnan as he pretended to withdraw fouquet ran after him i will not lie down he said seriously and since you refuse to treat me as a man and since you finesse with me i will try and set you at bay as a hunter does a wild boar <laughs> cried d'artagnan pretending to smile i shall order my horses and set off for paris said fouquet sounding the captain of the musketeers if that be the case monseigneur it is very difficult you will arrest me then no but i shall go along with you that is quite sufficient monsieur d'artagnan returned fouquet coldly it was not for nothing you acquired your reputation as a man of intelligence and resource but with me all this is quite superfluous let us come to the point do me a service why do you arrest me what have i done oh i know nothing about what you may have done but i do not arrest you this evening at least this evening said fouquet turning pale but to-morrow it is not to-morrow just yet monseigneur who can ever answer for the morrow quick quick captain let me speak to monsieur d'herblay alas that is quite impossible monseigneur i have strict orders to see that you hold no communication with any one with monsieur d'herblay captain with your friend monseigneur is monsieur d'herblay the only person with whom you ought to be prevented holding any communication fouquet colored and then assuming an air of resignation he said you are right monsieur you have taught me a lesson i ought not to have evoked a fallen man cannot assert his right to anything even from those whose fortunes he may have made for a still stronger reason 
he cannot claim anything from those to whom he may never have had the happiness of doing a service monseigneur it is perfectly true monsieur d'artagnan you have always acted in the most admirable manner towards me in such a manner indeed as most becomes the man who is destined to arrest me you at least have never asked me anything monsieur replied the gascon touched by his eloquent and noble tone of grief will you i ask it as a favor pledge me your word as a man of honor that you will not leave this room what is the use of it dear monsieur d'artagnan since you keep watch and ward over me do you suppose i should contend against the most valiant sword in the kingdom it is not that at all monseigneur but that i am going to look for monsieur d'herblay and consequently to leave you alone fouquet uttered a cry of delight and surprise to look for monsieur d'herblay to leave me alone he exclaimed clasping his hands together which is monsieur d'herblay's room the blue room is it not yes my friend yes your friend thank you for that word monseigneur you confer it upon me to-day at least if you have never done so before ah you have saved me it will take a good ten minutes to go from hence to the blue room and to return said d'artagnan nearly so and then to awake aramis who sleeps very soundly when he is asleep i put that down at another five minutes making a total of fifteen minutes absence and now monseigneur give me your word that you will not in any way attempt to make your escape and that when i return i shall find you here again i give it monsieur replied fouquet with an expression of the warmest and deepest gratitude d'artagnan disappeared fouquet looked at him as he quitted the room waited with a feverish impatience until the door was closed behind him and as soon as it was shut flew to his keys opened two or three secret doors concealed in various articles of furniture in the room looked vainly for certain papers which doubtless he had left at st mande and which he seemed to regret not having found in them then hurriedly seizing hold of letters contracts papers writings he heaped them up into a pile which he burnt in the extremest haste upon the marble hearth of the fireplace not even taking time to draw from the interior of it the vases and pots of flowers with which it was filled as soon as he had finished like a man who has just escaped an imminent danger and whose strength abandons him as soon as the danger is past he sank down completely overcome on a couch when d'artagnan returned he found fouquet in the same position the worthy musketeer had not the slightest doubt that fouquet having given his word would not even think of failing to keep it but he had thought it most likely that fouquet would turn his d'artagnan's absence to the best advantage in getting rid of all the papers memorandums and contracts which might possibly render his position which was even now serious enough more dangerous than ever and so lifting up his head like a dog who has regained the scent he perceived an odor resembling smoke he had relied on finding in the atmosphere and having found it made a movement of his head in token of satisfaction 
as d'artagnan entered fouquet on his side raised his head and not one of d'artagnan's movements escaped him and then the looks of the two men met and they both saw that they had understood each other without exchanging a syllable well asked fouquet the first to speak and monsieur d'herblay upon my word monseigneur replied d'artagnan monsieur d'herblay must be desperately fond of walking out at night and composing verses by moonlight in the park of vaux with some of your poets in all probability for he is not in his own room what not in his own room cried fouquet whose last hope thus escaped him for unless he could ascertain in what way the bishop of van could assist him he perfectly well knew that he could expect assistance from no other quarter or indeed continued d'artagnan if he is in his own room he has very good reasons for not answering but surely you did not call him in such a manner that he could have heard you you can hardly suppose monseigneur that having already exceeded my orders which forbade me leaving you a single moment you can hardly suppose i say that i should have been mad enough to rouse the whole house and allow myself to be seen in the corridor of the bishop of van in order that monsieur colbert might state with positive certainty that i gave you time to burn your papers my papers of course at least that is what i should have done in your place when anyone opens a door for me i always avail myself of it yes yes and i thank you for i have availed myself of it and you have done perfectly right every man has his own peculiar secrets with which others have nothing to do but let us return to aramis monseigneur well then i tell you you could not have called loud enough or aramis would have heard you however softly any one may call aramis monseigneur aramis always hears when he has an interest in hearing i repeat what i said before aramis was not in his own room or aramis had certain reasons for not recognizing my voice of which i am ignorant and of which you may be even ignorant yourself notwithstanding your liege man is his greatness the lord bishop of van fouquet drew a deep sigh rose from his seat took three or four turns in his room and finished by seating himself with an expression of extreme dejection upon his magnificent bed with velvet hangings and costliest lace d'artagnan looked at fouquet with feelings of the deepest and sincerest pity i have seen a good many men arrested in my life said the musketeer sadly i have seen both monsieur de saint mars and monsieur de chalet arrested though i was very young then i have seen monsieur de conde arrested with the princess i have seen monsieur de retz arrested i have seen monsieur broussel arrested stay a moment monseigneur it is disagreeable to have to say but the very one of all those whom you most resemble at this moment was that poor fellow broussel you were very near doing as he did putting your dinner napkin in your portfolio and wiping your mouth with your papers Mordieu, monseigneur fouquet a man like you ought not to be dejected in this manner suppose your friend saw you monsieur d'artagnan returned the surintendant with a smile full of gentleness 
you do not understand me it is precisely because my friends are not looking on that i am as you see me now i do not live exist even isolated from others i am nothing when left to myself understand that throughout my whole life i have passed every moment of my time in making friends whom i hoped to render my stay and support in times of prosperity all these cheerful happy voices rendered so through and by my means formed in my honour a concert of praise and kindly actions in the least disfavour these humbler voices accompanied in harmonious accents the murmur of my own heart isolation i have never yet known poverty a phantom i have sometimes beheld clad in rags awaiting me at the end of my journey through life poverty has been the spectre with which many of my own friends have trifled for years past which they poetize and caress and which has attracted me towards them poverty i accept it acknowledge it receive it as a disinherited sister for poverty is neither solitude nor exile nor imprisonment is it likely i shall ever be poor with such friends as pelisson as la fontaine as moliere with such a mistress as oh if you knew how utterly lonely and desolate i feel at this moment and how you who separate me from all i love seem to resemble the image of solitude of annihilation death itself but i have already told you monsieur fouquet replied d'artagnan moved to the depths of his soul that you are woefully exaggerating the king likes you no no said fouquet shaking his head monsieur colbert hates you monsieur colbert what does that matter to me he will ruin you ah i defy him to do that for i am ruined already at this singular confession of the superintendent d'artagnan cast his glance all round the room and although he did not open his lips fouquet understood him so thoroughly that he added what can be done with such wealth of substance as surrounds us when a man can no longer cultivate his taste for the magnificent do you know what good the greater part of the wealth and the possessions which we rich enjoy confer upon us merely to disgust us by their very splendor even with everything which does not equal it vaux you will say and the wonders of vaux what of it what boot these wonders if i am ruined how shall i fill with water the urns which my naiads bear in their arms or force the air into the lungs of my tritons to be rich enough monsieur d'artagnan a man must be too rich d'artagnan shook his head oh i know very well what you think replied fouquet quickly 
if vaux were yours you would sell it and would purchase an estate in the country an estate which should have woods orchards and land attached so that the estate should be made to support its master worth forty millions you might ten millions interrupted d'artagnan not a million my dear captain no one in france is rich enough to give two millions for vaux and to continue to maintain it as i have done no one could do it no one would know how well said d'artagnan in any case a million is not abject misery it is not far from it my dear monsieur but you do not understand me no i will not sell my residence at vaux i will give it to you if you like and fouquet accompanied these words with a movement of the shoulders to which it would be impossible to do justice give it to the king you will make a better bargain the king does not require me to give it to him said fouquet he will take it away from me with the most absolute ease and grace if it pleases him to do so and that is the very reason i should prefer to see it perish do you know monsieur d'artagnan that if the king did not happen to be under my roof i would take this candle go straight to the dome and set fire to a couple of huge chests of fusées and fireworks which are in reserve there and would reduce my palace to ashes bah said the musketeer negligently at all events you would not be able to burn the gardens and that is the finest feature of the place and yet resumed fouquet thoughtfully what was i saying great heavens burn vaux destroy my palace but vaux is not mine these wonderful creations are it is true the property as far as sense of enjoyment goes of the man who has paid for them but as far as duration is concerned they belong to those who created them vaux belongs to lebrun to lenotre to pelisson to laval to la fontaine to moliere vaux belongs to posterity in fact you see monsieur d'artagnan that my very house has ceased to be my own that is all well and good said d'artagnan the idea is agreeable enough and i recognize monsieur fouquet himself in it that idea indeed makes me forget that poor fellow broussel altogether and i now fail to recognize in you the whining complaints of that old frondeur if you are ruined monsieur look at the affair manfully for you too mordieu belong to posterity and have no right to lessen yourself in any way stay a moment look at me i who seem to exercise in some degree a kind of superiority over you because i am arresting you fate which distributes their different parts to the comedians of this world accorded me a less agreeable and less advantageous part to fill than yours has been i am one of those who think that the parts which kings and powerful nobles are called upon to act are infinitely of more worth than the parts of beggars or lackeys it is far better on the stage 
on the stage, I mean, of another theatre than the theatre of this world. It is far better to wear a fine coat and to talk a fine language than to walk the boards shod with a pair of old shoes, or to get one's backbone gently polished by a hearty dressing with a stick. In one word, you have been a prodigal with money. You have ordered and been obeyed, have been steeped to the lips in enjoyment, while I have dragged my tether after me, have been commanded and have obeyed, and have drudged my life away. Well, although I may seem of such trifling importance beside you, Monseigneur, I do declare to you that the recollection of what I have done serves me as a spur and prevents me from bowing my old head too soon. I shall remain until the very end a trooper, and when my turn comes, I shall fall perfectly straight, all in a heap, still alive after having selected my place beforehand. Do as I do, Monsieur Fouquet. You will not find yourself the worse for it. A fall happens only once in a lifetime to men like yourself, and the chief thing is to take it gracefully when the chance presents itself. There is a Latin proverb. Uh, the words have escaped me, but I remember the sense of it very well for I have thought over it more than once, which says, The end crowns the work. Fouquet rose from his seat, passed his arm round D'Artagnan's neck and clasped him in a close embrace, whilst the other hand he pressed his hand. An excellent homily, he said after a moment's pause. A soldier's, Monseigneur. You have a regard for me, in telling me all that perhaps fouquet resumed his pensive attitude once more and then a moment after he said where can monsieur d'herblay be i dare not ask you to send for him you would not ask me because i would not do it monsieur fouquet people would learn it and aramis who is not mixed up with the affair might possibly be compromised and included in your disgrace. "'I will wait here till daylight,' said Fouquet. "'Yes, that is best.' "'What shall we do when daylight comes?' "'I know nothing at all about it, Monseigneur.' "'Monsieur d'Artagnan, will you do me a favor? "'Most willingly.' "'You guard me. I remain.' You are acting in the full discharge of your duty, I suppose. Certainly. Very good, then. Remain as close to me as my shadow, if you like, and I infinitely prefer such a shadow to anyone else. D'Artagnan bowed to the compliment. But forget that you are Monsieur d'Artagnan, captain of the musketeers. Forget that I am Monsieur Fouquet, Surintendant of the finances, and let us talk about my affairs. That is a rather delicate subject. Indeed. Yes, but for your sake, Monsieur Fouquet, I will do what may almost be regarded as an impossibility. Thank you. What did the king say to you? Nothing. Ah! Is that the way you talk? The deuce. What do you think of my situation? 
I do not know. However, unless you have some ill feeling against me, your position is a difficult one. In what respect? Because you are under your own roof. However difficult it may be, I understand it very well. Do you suppose that, with anyone else but yourself, I should have shown so much frankness? What? So much frankness, do you say? You who refuse to tell me the slightest thing? At all events, then, so much ceremony and consideration. Ah, I have nothing to say in that respect. One moment, Monseigneur. Let me tell you how I should have behaved towards anyone but yourself. It might be that I happened to arrive at your door, just as your guests or your friends had left you. Or, if they had not gone yet, I should wait until they were leaving, and should then catch them one after the other like rabbits. I should lock them up quietly enough. I should steal softly along the carpet of your corridor, and with one hand upon you, before you suspected the slightest thing amiss, I should keep you safely until my master's breakfast in the morning. In this way, I should just the same have avoided all publicity, all disturbance, all opposition. But there would also have been no warning for Monsieur Fouquet, no consideration for his feelings, none of those delicate concessions which are shown by persons who are essentially courteous in their natures, whenever the decisive moment may arrive. Are you satisfied with the plan? It makes me shudder. I thought you would not like it. It would have been very disagreeable to have made my appearance tomorrow without any preparation, and to have asked you to deliver up your sword. Oh, monsieur, I should have died of shame and anger. Your gratitude is too eloquently expressed. I have not done enough to deserve it, I assure you. Most certainly, monsieur, you will never get me to believe that. Well, then, monseigneur, if you are satisfied with what I have done, and have somewhat recovered from the shock which I prepared you for as much as I possibly could, let us allow the few hours that remain to pass away undisturbed. You are harassed and should arrange your thoughts. I beg you, therefore, go to sleep, or pretend to go to sleep, either on your bed or in your bed. I will sleep in this armchair, and when I fall asleep, my rest is so sound that a cannon would not wake me. Fouquet smiled. I expect, however, continued the musketeer, the case of the door being opened, whether a secret door or any other, or the case of anyone going out of or coming into the room, for anything like that, my ear is as quick and sensitive as the ear of a mouse. Creaking noises make me start. It arises, I suppose, from a natural antipathy to anything of the kind. Move about as much as you like. Walk up and down in any part of the room. Write. Efface. Destroy. Burn. Nothing like that will prevent me from going to sleep, or even prevent me from snoring. But do not touch either the key or the handle of the door, for I should start up in a moment, and that would shake my nerves and make me ill. Monsieur d'Artagnan, said Fouquet, 
you are certainly the most witty and the most courteous man i ever met with and you will leave me only one regret that of having made your acquaintance so late d'artagnan drew a deep sigh which seemed to say alas you have perhaps made it too soon he then settled himself in his armchair while fouquet half lying on his bed and leaning on his arm was meditating on his misadventures in this way both of them leaving the candles burning awaited the first dawn of the day and when fouquet happened to sigh too loudly d'artagnan only snored the louder not a single visit not even from aramis disturbed their quietude not a sound even was heard throughout the whole vast palace outside however the guards of honor on duty and the patrol of musketeers paced up and down and the sound of their feet could be heard on the gravel walks it seemed to act as an additional soporific for the sleepers while the murmuring of the wind through the trees and the unceasing music of the fountains whose waters tumbled in the basin still went on uninterruptedly without being disturbed at the slight noises and items of little moment that constitute the life and death of human nature End of chapter 48 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia